Welcome to the Stewardship Podcast, where your host, financial advisor Andrew Mitchell, talks with industry experts to help you steward your time, talents, and money. Welcome to the Stewardship Podcast. Today, we have the opportunity to talk with Jamie Kuiper from National Christian Foundation, specifically about stewarding our generosity. Jamie, thanks for taking the time and being on the podcast today. Andrew, thanks for having me. Definitely. So I'm really excited to dive into this idea of stewarding our generosity, but I really just want to start by, you know, having the folks get to know you as, you know, who's Jamie, what do you do, what's National Christian Foundation, and how did you end up there? Yeah, thanks. Um, So I have been with National Christian Foundation for 14 years now. Um, I came to uh, NCF, we call it NCF sometimes for short, um, out of a family business. I had been the president of the family business for about six years. We sold that late in 2007. And prior to that, I had been an attorney. I actually practiced as a litigation attorney for a little while. So uh, a background in law and then business. And having sold that business, I had to find something else to do. And had really been looking for an opportunity to merge my faith with my my professional experience in a a little bit more of a a purposeful way um, or a direct way. And came across NCF and it just really felt like a perfect fit where I could activate some of the experience I had in more of a vocational ministry setting, so to speak. That's great. That's got to be a little bit of a unique um, set of skills that going from being an attorney to running a family business to now being in a, you know, giving uh, foundation environment, that's, that's got to create a unique set of skills. Um, yeah, well, it's certainly a unique experience and, yeah. and the National Christian Foundation predominantly serves uh, business owners, corporate executives, professionals with giving strategies. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what we do is developing giving strategies that would complement a financial strategy so that they're able to make the most of what they have available to give and hopefully give even more generously. And, and of course, then there is a specific faith component that merges with that. Um, but on the more technical side and the kind of the more tax planning side, so to speak, um, that background in law and business yeah. has proven to be very helpful. We're often intersecting with families who are transitioning a business and having done that a couple of times within the context of my own family, it was good training. I just didn't know what I was training for until I found it. <laughs> That's so good. That's uh, one of my favorite comedians is Michael Jr. And he talks about, you know, oftentimes the setup for what you have in life, you don't know what it's for until you actually land in, you know, the spot that you're supposed to be. So it's really cool to to be at that point in life where you're really seeing those things come together. So that's, that's great. Um, so I'd like to dive into this idea of stewardship and, and how that matches up with our generosity or our giving. And so I'd like to start that by just diving into, you know, how would you define the word stewardship? Um, the word stewardship to me has a fairly simple and, and just general meaning. And mm-hmm. I, I characterize it as taking care of something, Um, you know, supervising or overseeing something, but, but ultimately taking good care of something. Mm. Uh, And that something could be a life that something could be material possessions, that something could be 
the environment. I mean, we certainly bump into the word stewardship in a lot of places, but I think the the one thing that it has universally in common with its different uses is that it implies that someone has been tasked or has the opportunity to take care of something. Mm. Do you feel like, so, so first, I guess I want to say, like, I, re- I appreciate that uh, definition because I feel like so often, and, and maybe this is specifically in the, the faith realm of things, seems like stewardship is so often applied simply to money in general, but really you've, you've taken and broadened that. And I think that that makes a ton of sense. Um, so I guess the question that comes to mind is, do we naturally fall into a steward uh, mentality or I, I guess, how do people, you know, start to view things from that stewardship perspective? Yeah, it's a great observation and question. I, I think the fact that the word stewardship is often pretty narrowly applied in the Christian mm. context around money uh, is a mistake. I, th- I think it gets us off track in a few different ways and, and can even in its worst form lead to sort of this false dichotomy of what's mine and what's God's. Mm. And stewardship applies to the part that I give away and that's God's. And then the rest of this is somehow mine for my personal enjoyment. Um, and, and, I, and I think the, the scriptural view of our life is that we've been given everything by God. He owns all of it, including us. Yeah. And, and we are stewarding a life that is a gift from him. Hmm. And within that life, there are certainly material possessions. And how we order those possessions should be done in a way that glorifies him. Mm -hmm. and leads us, I think if we take him at his word, leads us into a fuller, uh, more joy-filled life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but what that looks like is going to be pretty different than what the world suggests it it ought to look like. And so Mm -hmm. when I think of Christian stewardship, I actually view it as almost indistinguishable, almost indistinguishable from discipleship. Sure. Um, Because if I am a disciple of Jesus, then I'm trying to live into his teaching with my whole life. And, and that is just really ultimately an act of stewardship. So I think in the Christian context, stewardship really addresses two other ideas, and that is one, ownership, and then secondarily, purpose. Mm. Um, so our stewardship now is not just taking care of something, but it's taking care of something on behalf of somebody else. That's the ownership piece. And of course, the Christian worldview says it belongs to God. Mm-hmm. So I'm now I'm stewarding something or taking care of something on behalf of its owner, which is God, my creator. And if I'm taking care of it on his behalf, then I should be uniquely concerned with his purpose for whatever it is I'm taking care yeah. of, whether it's a day in my life, mm-hmm. uh, my children, the material resources he's given me, the intellect that he has given me, the social skills that he's given me. I steward Uh, all of those things on behalf of him, hopefully. And this is, of course, this is the huge challenge for all of us. Keeping his purpose ahead of any other interests. Definitely. And that doesn't just mean giving it away then. I mean, that I, I, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Tithing often gets 
pulled into this conversation. There are three tithes in the Old Testament. Uh, two of them were annual, and one of them was every three years. So if you add that up, it suggests that you know biblical tithing would be 23 and a third percent, if my math is right. I've never heard that in a sermon. You know, nobody <laughs> suggests tithing was going to be nearly a quarter of it. And at the same time, one of those tithes was to be consumed by the giver with their family mm. at the temple in an act of celebration with God. And so when I look at that, even going back to the Old Testament, mm. I think of you know stewardship, including the things that I enjoy, um, the vacation I take with my family, uh, the things we do to build up our family and, and enjoy the good gifts of God. All of this is an act of stewardship. If I'm always yeah. act, asking myself, the way I'm ordering, is the way I am ordering these things honoring to God and his purpose for these resources? And that's it's, it's an ongoing conversation that I think we're all invited into with God, uh, but it is much broader than just what does he want me to give away so he'll be happy with me? And then I got to figure out the rest of this on my own. Definitely. That's so good. I mean, I feel like we could stop recording there and just chew on that just because there's, <laughs> there's so much there. Um, I, I, one of the questions that comes to mind, you know, as you're walking through all that, like I said, it's, it's really broadens the perspective of, um, yeah, what stewardship is, how that applies to our lives, how it's all encompass, encompassing. It's not, you know, separating things out into these different buckets. And so I guess one of the questions that comes to mind specifically as you're talking about that is how do you, from your perspective, how do you get that glimpse of, you know, what should I actually be doing with these things? What does God want me to be doing in, you know, whatever area it is, but, you know, it can be generosity. It can be with your kids. It can be, you know, how you would spend your enjoyment time or anything like that. I'd love to just hear some perspective on that. Hmm. Well, uh, the, my personal approach is to do my very best to stay rooted in the places where I learn what his will is. Yeah. And, and so it, it's the simple blocking and tackling of a faithful Christian life of, of trying to order my days around this. So every morning um, I'm sitting next to my wife on our couch, reading the Bible, yeah. praying together and seeking his will for our life and trying to better understand what he hopes for. Um, and, and the more I understand what's important to him, and, and seek him, hopefully, the more important that becomes to me. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting, uh, Matthew 9, 13, um, Jesus quotes Hosea 6, 6. Uh, he says, uh, in Hosea 6, 6, he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, mm -hmm. in knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, he wants us to know him. And I think he wants our giving to flow out of a pursuit of what we believe is the best life for us. And that's yeah. seeking first his kingdom with everything we have. But, but it starts with our knowledge of him and trusting that story. Yep. And, and ultimately, I think that's what he wants is us to trust his story. And giving shapes us into kind of the kind of people who live like that. 
That's so good. And I think, you know, you're starting to hit on something that I think is a common, common thought process. I think it, when we get into this generosity conversation and giving and, and all of that is really, you kind of have two ends of the spectrum. You have the folks that, you know, they give a little bit, but it's not really a significant portion of their income. And, you know, statistically, you know, in a lot of studies, you see the more somebody makes, the less as a percentage of income that they actually give. And then you have this other side that is, you know, I have to give everything away because, you know, living a life of poverty and, you know, seclusion, all of those things. So I'm curious if you can just talk a little bit more through that. I feel like you hit on that a little bit in your definition Mm -hmm. of stewardship, but I also feel like that Hosea passage starts to highlight that as well as, as um, you know, maybe that's not necessarily. So I'm, I'm curious if you can just talk us through a little bit of, you know, how do you, how do you look at, you know, what you should be giving in those types of things? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's just so many interesting questions in that conversation. I mean, we have uh, a statement by Jesus, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, so what does that mean? Does that mean we need to embrace a life of poverty? Um, I would suggest that it does not. I, I, I think the Beatitudes on a whole really point us to a life that's oriented towards the other, that, that, prioritizes the other over ourselves, which is, I I think, you know, the life God is calling us to is a life that really puts other people's interests first. I recently saw Tim Keller quoting another theologian uh, that the Hebrew word that is translated as righteousness in our Bible, I mean, righteousness is a huge Christian idea. Yeah that the, the, the best definition they could come up with uh, of what the Hebrews thought of when they read this word Zedekah mm-hmm. was to disadvantage yourself for the advantage of others. Yeah. Um, that, that is really this notion of preferring the other as core to our life. So, well, what does that mean? Does that mean we have to dispossess ourselves, give everything away? Well, I, I think, no. I think if I own a business... And I run that business in a way that says, I am going to use this advantage that God has given me, this tremendous resource that God has given me um, for the advantage of others. Mm-hmm. Then I am going to order my days and my stewardship of that business around the health and well-being of my employees, yeah. uh, of my customers, of, of my vendors. Yeah. Um, I I own it in the eyes of the IRS. I own it in the eyes of the world, but spiritually I, I steward it on behalf of its rightful owner, God. Yeah. And one of, one of my favorite authors, Dallas Willard, uh, in, in the kind of the back part of a book he wrote on the spiritual disciplines, he actually addresses this question, is poverty spiritual? Hmm. And, and he contends that uh, absolutely not. In, uh, you, you could argue that Christians should aspire to control as many assets as possible on behalf of the rightful owner. Yeah. It's on behalf of the rightful owner is where we get a little sideways with ourselves. <laughs> it's yeah. easy to start believing it's ours, not his. And then we start using it to our advantage as opposed to the advantage of others or, or his purposes. But simply possessing things on behalf of the owner uh, is not only wrong, it, it's arguably a noble spiritual pursuit. Yeah, that's, 
such good perspective because I, you know, you, you start to look back through, you know, history and um, even, you know, look at the Jewish um, faith and how they view money and possessions. And it almost seems like it's almost counter to a lot of kind of the traditional thought within Christianity of, you know, there's this idea of poverty and, you know, there, that could be something to strive for, but it, you know, in the, in the Jewish culture, which, you know, is where Christianity stems from, you get this idea that, you know, being rich is not a bad thing. And, you know, there, there's ways that you can steward those things and do really good things. Yeah. And I'm no expert on Jewish theology, but I, I actually read a fair amount from some rabbis on that topic. And my reading of a lot of the ancient Jewish thought is um, they're very community minded. Mm-hmm. And, and so certainly having possession of a lot of things wouldn't be in and of itself an offensive notion because they're viewing all of these possessions as being for, for the common good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where that notion, that Hebrew word Zedekah really becomes rich. I mean, that the, there's even, if you look, there are Zedekah boxes in, in, mm. in Jewish tradition. They're like, they're just basically little piggy banks, little charity banks. Okay. Now, when I was growing up in church, we got little church shaped boxes and we put coins in when we were a kid and we would give those away. And we were learning about sort of like Christian charity at no point did anybody call that a righteousness box. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, but, but you know, I really think that this notion of stewarding things on behalf of the creator and the rightful owner and, and that how that necessarily compels us to generosity, concern for the widow, concern for the orphan, concern for the foreigner in our land is deeply rooted in both Jewish tradition and then fully manifested in the life of Jesus. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. No, that's good. And you're starting to hit on this, you know, mm-hmm. in that statement there. Do you feel like, you know, taking care of the widow and the orphan and, you know, serving the least of these to use another um, Bible term? Do you feel like that's the why behind giving? Or would you say that there's more to it than that? I think it's part of the why. And, and to me, there's, there's almost two sides of a coin. Um, I think the why behind our giving should, at a, at a high level, always be seeking to advance the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so my giving, along with my possessing and owning, uh, should always be seek first the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I give... I ought to give in a manner that seeks first the kingdom. And then I would say in two ways, one to advance the kingdom of God in the world around me. And clearly God has a heart for the widow and the orphan and the foreigner in our land and those who are hurting and oppressed. And so our giving should be calculated to relieve their suffering in a way that brings glory and honor to God and points them to the hope that they can find in him. And yeah. so there's kind of a both and the, the physical and the spiritual caring for the whole person and pointing them towards um, that phys- physical and spiritual wholeness. So mm-hmm. I want to advance the kingdom of God in the world around me, but I also want to advance the kingdom of God in my own heart. I'm not doing this in my own strength. God could relieve everybody's suffering without me. So he clearly doesn't need me to do it. 
but I think he invites me into it because he wants my heart to be captured by his kingdom because he knows I will be more fully alive in that. And so when I give, I'm, I, I, I'm always asking myself, is my heart being shaped into a heart that looks more like his? I mean, he created me to bear his image. Mm-hmm. And so if I believe that he wants what's best for me, then I believe I will never be more fully alive than when I look like him. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I'm giving, do I look like him? Am I now starting to fall in love with the things that he has a heart for? So yeah. is my giving advancing the kingdom of God in my own heart? Is my giving advancing the kingdom of God in the world around me? And those are two equally, in my mind, important sides of the same coin. Um, so yeah, part of the why is definitely helping the poor, relieving suffering, doing those things. Um, but then the other story has actually quite a bit to do with us and what's happening inside of our own hearts. I mean, Paul tells us in, um, in second Corinthians, I believe second Corinthians nine, seven, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. Mm. Um, God loves a cheerful giver. And so if, if our hearts not being activated in, in joyfully livened up by our giving, then it feels like a, a burden and it's being done grudgingly. Paul saying, "Don't do that." Yeah, <laughs> God doesn't. God, something's something's amiss. Now there might be something wrong in my own heart that needs to change so that I find that joy in my giving. Yeah. It might not be that I shouldn't give. It might be I need a little internal work to do. But I think he's drawing our attention to that and saying, "Hey, uh, if if this feels like a burden or a chore, something's amiss. Let's look closer at that and make sure that that's a part of your giving story too." Definitely. Yeah. There's so many, so many ways you could go with that. Cause it almost, you know, as I'm kind of hearing you, you know, re, re, reiterate those words from second Corinthians, my mind goes to, you know, giving has become such a, you know, automatic, don't think about it thing. Um, you know, I, I go into a website, I set up an automatic giving thing. It comes out when my paycheck comes into the bank account. I don't even have to think about it. I don't even barely know I'm giving if we're being honest. I'm curious when you, when you combine that stewardship aspect with the aspect of giving and, you know, furthering the kingdom, but also, you know, serving people that are, um, you know, widows or oppressed or, you know, poor, whatever it is, when you start to combine all those things together, are there some things that we're doing out of convenience that are actually putting us in the bad steward category or that are going against what we're really called to in the generosity space? Yeah, that's, it's an interesting question. Um, I, it, it does feel a little bit like a risk, the more sure. automated this stuff becomes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be perfectly candid. There's much of what happens within the context of the National Christian Foundation that's actually very automated, very sure. <laughs> oriented around convenience. Yep. Uh, and, and so I, I think with all of those things, whether it's, you know, you could have an EFT set up to go to your church every so often or $10 on the credit card to your favorite cause, and it could become very automatic. Um, I would encourage people to look for ways to at least disrupt that somehow. Yeah. Um, so even when the context of my own donor advice fund, 
where there was an automatic contribution being sent to my church, I actually had the check sent to my house so that I could mm-hmm. bring it to church, I, in part because I wanted my kids to see me putting it in the offering plate um, because I'm raising them up and I'm trying to train them as well. And, and so, you know, looking for ways to disrupt it, whether it's through volunteerism, not just giving to things that you don't have a connection to, mm-hmm. but certainly if your giving starts to become empty religious ritual, Mm-hmm. then I think we've entered into kind of a dangerous place because we're probably also not examining the rest of what we have. Yeah. And, and, and God is uniquely concerned with all of it. Um, and that's where some of those, uh, the minor prophets, there's actually quite a few warnings, particularly in the minor prophets, where God becomes pretty, I would say, angry mm-hmm. with a group of people who are engaging in religious ritual but clearly not honoring him with their life. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of suffering. There was a lot of oppression that was taking place. Uh, and yet they were making sacrifices and giving these ritualistic offerings. And he made it abundantly clear he was not in any way interested in their rituals. Um, in that the cry of the suffering that they were creating was reaching his ears and he wasn't having it. Yeah. Um, so I, we want to be thoughtful. Now, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with setting up an automatic draw from my checking account to my church. Um, that, that, that's certainly, we don't elevate form too high. Yeah. Um, but, but what's happening in my own heart? That, that's the big question. Definitely. Definitely. That's good perspective. Um, I guess a couple, couple of questions that, um, to, to further the conversation one, I mean, we've hit a lot on, you know, from a faith perspective, it seems just very natural that there's that there's some component of generosity. I'm wondering if you can just, you know, briefly touch on, you know, is there outside of the faith community, you know, maybe somebody that's listening is, um, you know, faith is just something maybe they kick the tires of, or maybe it's something that they're not really engaging in. Is there is there other reasons or is there, you know, kind of a thought process behind, you know, folks that are outside of faith stepping into generosity? Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one thing I would say is there is actually a, a growing body of scientific study that points mm-hmm. towards benefits from being a generous person. Sure that living altruistically seems to activate things in our bodies, even chemically, um, Mm. that make us more joyful. The incidences of depression go down a little bit. Our perspective on the world changes. We become a little less focused on ourselves. In a world that is increasingly focused on the individual and on myself, turning your heart towards others has literal physical benefits um, and and even to the point where it affects our body chemistry. So, uh, you know, why does it feel good to give back? Um, Well, there's actually some science behind that. And and so certainly whether they come to it with a specifically faith-based perspective or not, I would encourage people to engage in giving because it is going to activate positive things in their own life. And hopefully we can all agree that a flourishing community and a flourishing society is more likely to lead to our mutual flourishing. Mm -hmm. 
And, and so we want to be about helping those who are hurting around us because it's going to make the places we live better, uh, better for all of us. And I think that can be a shared value. I would say to those folks, don't be afraid to do a deep dive on the why between where that, uh, uh, about where that joy is coming from and explore that because I would suggest to them, it's because you were made for this. And, and there is a maker behind that. Why? And I just invite them to take a close look and see if they're satisfied with their answer. (laughs) That's so good. That's so good. So just starting to look more specifically at giving and generosity. Now that we've kind of really laid a base floor of, you know, why we give, you know, why we engage that uh, from both perspectives, faith and Mm non-faith. I'm curious. I mean, I would say, you know, a typical giving is, you know, I find some organizations or somebody tells me about something that's going on and I, I put dollars towards that, or, or maybe you've got somebody that's more advanced and they know, you know, donor advised funds or things like that. I'm curious um, from the role that you play and from where you're sit, where you sit, um, you know, is that kind of approach good stewardship in the generosity space or are there ways that we could be approaching that better? Um, well, the tools have a lot to do with the assets you're using. Mm. So, you know, the toolbox, for instance, the donor advice fund, as you know, National Christian Foundation is a donor advice fund sponsor. There are others. Um, that's a really useful tool for bunching your giving, um, maybe setting some extra dollars aside at year end to secure your income tax deduction and then deploying them over the course of the next few months, just buying yourself a little time to figure out where you're going to give it to and, and helping you be more thoughtful. Um, certainly if you have appreciated assets, uh, very often a donor advice fund or something like that can be a really useful way to give wisely of those appreciated assets and grow your giving that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some great tax incentives to give that way. And they have the blessing of the government and the people who wrote the rules that allow us to be more generous. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, engaging your financial advisors and, and the professionals you've gathered around you to, to make sure you've got the right toolbox, mm-hmm. that makes a bunch of sense. Um, it's not for everybody. There's certainly nothing wrong with giving cash. Uh, and if it's not the most tax efficient way to give, then it's worth exploring what your options are. If it is the most tax efficient gift, then great. Um, you know, give and, and, and give joyfully. So is that addressing your question, kind of getting into some of those tools? Yeah, definitely. And I guess just a follow-up question to that, because I feel like you know, you can, you can be in and around the space and you can kind of have an understanding of the tools that are out there. I'm curious if there's, you know, a line in the sand maybe of saying, you know, giving, you know, cash or doing things just kind of directly out of what you have on hand is best at this level. And then once you're, you know, at a higher level income assets, whatever, I'm just kind of curious if there's a line in the sand for folks to say, you know, there's, there's tools out there and it's worth looking into those versus where I'm at. It doesn't really make sense to be looking into using those tools. Right. Right. 
Um, yeah, maybe just a couple of different lines in the sand. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're bumping up against a year end pressure to give where you mm -hmm. say, I know I want to set some money aside. I know I want to get this deduction, but I've got December 31 crashing down on me and I'm just not exactly sure which charity to give it to. Sure. Then a donor advised fund, even with cash makes sense because you mm -hmm. can put the cash in on December 30, get your income tax deduction. And you don't have to leave it there for any length of time. If you found the right charity on January 15, you can deploy the whole thing in almost almost every instance with various donor advised fund sponsors, sure. certainly with ours. Um, you can deploy that money. And so in, in those instances, if if separating the, the tax year from your decision about which charity to give it to is appealing, then even with cash giving, that makes sense. If you have taxable securities, mutual funds, publicly traded stocks mm -hmm. in a taxable account, so not an IRA, not a 401k, but a taxable investment account, and you've owned them for more than a year, then I would say in almost every single instance, giving those instead of giving cash makes sense. Yeah, uh, It's very, as you know, well, um, very simple to transfer those appreciated securities to a donor advised fund have them liquidated completely tax-free. Yeah. And then you can take the cash you might've otherwise given away and you can reinvest it yeah. and, and move your basis up. And so with, within the publicly traded stock realm, it really doesn't matter if it's $5,000 or $50,000 or $500,000. I'd say yeah. if you have long-term gains, why pay capital gain taxes that the government will well within the boundaries of, of the rules allow you to give to charity? Yeah. Um, give that money away. If you're going to give money away anyway, you might as well leverage that opportunity. When you get into uh, more complex assets, things like real estate, business interests, and so forth, then you're, you know, then I would say um, now we're starting to talk about gifts that probably need to be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars before they start looking appealing because there's quite a bit more engineering that goes into giving, for instance, part of a strip mall or a rental home. Uh, or even more yet into an operating company, you know, transferring ownership of those things to charity takes a little more engineering. So there's a little more cost to it. So we want to see more dollars involved in, in more tax savings involved. Otherwise, it, there's, it's probably just not worth the effort and the expense. Um, but those are very meaningful opportunities when, when circumstances permit. That's great. No, I appreciate you walking through that. I'm curious, um, you know, if that kind of piques people's interest as far as, you know, is that something I should be looking into or um, places that they can go for further resources? I'm just curious if you have any anything like that that people can uh, check out. Yeah, we've got uh, an abundance of resources on our website. So that's ncfgiving.com. And if we are a nonprofit, but our website is a .com. So I just want to point that out. It's NCF is in National Christian Foundation, ncfgiving.com. Lots of resources there. We have local offices all over the country with contact information there on the site uh, where we could be reached and happy to think that through. I'd also encourage people to go back to their financial advisors mm -hmm. and, and, and just raise the issue. Often advisors just need permission or an invitation to say, hey, this is something I have a question for you about. They can be a great resource to answer those questions. 
and, and help give you some guidance around that. And, and if you don't have one uh, that can competently talk to you about this stuff and it's an important value, then, you know, find someone who does. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's, that's good, good advice and good resources to share there. Appreciate that. This has been a really great conversation. Like I said, we could have stopped recording like five minutes in and just, you know, chewed on some of the stuff you first shared, but I appreciate you diving into generosity and giving and, you know, how do we couple that with that stewardship mentality? Um, I'd love to just, you know, get some final thoughts from you as far as, um, you know, again, all the good information, what's the next step somebody should take as far as thinking these things through and really analyzing, you know, giving themselves where they're giving all those types of things. Um, Yeah, just love to get a final thought from you there. Well, feel free to engage with our organization anytime. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, again, I'd refer to the website ncfgiving.com in addition to some of the technical stuff that we talked about on taxes and assets. There's a lot of inspiring stories there. Um, A lot of encouragement on the spiritual side and on that heart side. Mm -hmm. Um, Websites like generousgiving.org are another wonderful place to look for some real inspiring stories and just meaningful contents and Bible studies and personal studies uh, on on that part of the conversation. So those would be a couple of places I'd turn to. And for the Christians who are listening, I'd invite you to just keep reading your Bible with a mind towards what does God say about this stuff? It It is full of content about how we can seek him first with everything he's given us. And I really find it to be a just a joy-filled message, um, inviting us to trust his story. And as uh, Paul says in Timothy, um, take hold of the life that is truly life. Mm. Um, he says, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant or, put to, or to put their hope in wealth, uh, but to put their hope in God. And in skipping ahead just a little bit in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves in heaven Mm -hmm. and they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And there's just a lot of reasons for us to go hopefully and optimistically into this life, believing that God has something special for us in a a content and peaceful and joy-filled life. That's great. That encouragement is a great place to leave the conversation. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to walk us through this. Um, any additional contact information or anything like that you that you'd like to throw out there, or is the NCF website uh, the best spot to go? I've mentioned the website, but if somebody wants to give our office a call, the number is 616-957-4372. And we've got folks that'd be happy to speak to anyone. Awesome. Great. And we'll be sure to throw uh, some of those URLs that you threw out there in the show notes. So if anybody is looking for those, uh, those will be in the show notes that you can go directly to the website and find all of those great resources. Um, Jamie, I appreciate, again, you just taking the time to walk through this, share so much wisdom, uh, so much scripture with us and and really encourage us as we uh, go from here. Andrew, it was a total privilege. Thanks very much for inviting me. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Stewardship Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment and write a review. This is extremely important when your podcast is new and will help us reach more people. 
be sure to connect to the Stewardship Podcast community on Facebook or connect with me, Andrew Mitchell, on LinkedIn. Until next time, be a good steward.